Welcome to Spark My Muse. Today, my guest is Jem Fadling, and she's a spiritual director, and her and her husband, Alan, have written the book, What Does Your Soul Love? Eight Questions That Reveal God's Work in You. Thank you so much, Jem, for being my guest today, sharing your time with me. Well, of course, it's wonderful to be with you. You and your husband have started the Unhurried Living Inc. nonprofit that trains leaders, and you also have a podcast. So I'm glad that you have the Unhurried Living podcast, which is also makes us have another kinship there because we're both podcasters. You both work in sort of the spiritual direction field. Do you want to talk a little bit about what are some of the things that you do? As you mentioned, we started um, Unhurried Living as a nonprofit, and so we head that up, and we do all the things within that. So one of them is podcasting, but we also both do something that's sort of a hybrid. We do we both are spiritual directors, so I'm a spiritual director, um, but I'm also just on the verge of becoming a life coach. Hmm. And so I've been branching out into what I'm calling spiritual life coaching, which hmm. is very much akin to spiritual direction, except at the end, we have sort of a, what's an action step you can take, you know, mm -hmm. it moves a person more toward, um, toward making a discerning decision about how they might want to grow or change until I see them next. So that's been a fun new piece. That's an interesting distinction. And I was going to ask you to unpack it a little more about what do you see as the big distinctions between direction and life coaching? Is it more of the action piece that that is part of it yeah so as a spiritual director of course i hold sacred space for someone lots of listening lots of good questions and even though it's called spiritual direction you're not really telling someone what to do mm -hmm. uh, but it's just a really i call it a holy conversation mm -hmm. i'm standing alongside of you as you are living your life and Together, we're trying to discern God's movements in there. And so, of course, that can take you all over the place because people's lives are real and include many in various situations. Mm -hmm. um, but again, a spiritual director isn't really supposed to be, um, you know, setting goals, <laughs> you know, keeping you accountable. Words like that aren't really in there, even though a spiritual director may suggest, you know, this might be a good book for you or... Um, have you thought about this spiritual practice in this instance? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But with life coaching and bringing that aspect in, of course, life coaching is about looking at goals. Where do you want to be mm. a year from now? Where do you want to be a month from now? What might it look like to take that journey? And what are the steps? So again, the life coach isn't telling you what to do, but it's still all about holy listening. It's about asking great questions. And mm. the person finds out that they have all of the answers within themselves. They just need some sort of guidance, some maybe holy prodding, if we mm -hmm. want to call it that. <laughs> and um, I've been finding it to be a really beautiful hybrid. Mm. So, yeah. There's something very special about witnessing in someone else what maybe they haven't articulated yet or known in a fully conscious way yet, or just that accountability of checking in with someone like a coach that isn't part of your life in some other way, like a parent or uh, yeah. a sibling or a, an official teacher. There's something special about that kind of outside, I guess just you could say contract or relationship that you can have with a person that can add a lot of benefits. And I guess I want to be careful here to say that this is not the same thing as therapy or counseling 
Right. You don't go in that direction. If, if someone has trauma or something like that, what's the oh, yeah. process there? Yeah. So if they, those kinds of things come up, of course, I refer to therapists. I am not a therapist. I am not a counselor. I don't treat anyone or dig around in those ways. Uh, so yeah, coaching and spiritual direction are not therapy. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely refer if those kinds of things showed up. Yeah. What's really cool too about spiritual direction or spiritual companionship or friendship, it can go on for, sometimes it goes on for decades. Sometimes it just starts at a juncture in a person's life where they're having a troubled discerning. Therapy is usually based on a certain problem. And this isn't really problem-based stuff. It's kind of just life-based. And and that's actually can take the pressure off of people. Um, they're not coming to to work on some nitty-gritty, painful spot in their life. They're just kind of checking in with a trained friend. Maybe when society was different and slower and there were more natural apprentices, we didn't need these sorts of things, but they've come in really handy. I mean, just speaking for myself, but I've noticed that that's what people tend to say is that this is my time that I've set aside to work on myself, to know myself and to know others and God better in a deeper way that I can't do unless I really put this concentration on this time. Exactly. Yeah. And it, there is something very real about having someone be present hmm. and being willing to deeply listen. And even if you only you know, mirror and paraphrase, um, you're giving the person quite a lot. I can't tell you how many times I've just sort of restated back to the person what they just said to me. Mm-hmm. And they thought it was some new idea. And I have to say, no, you're, you just said this to me. Mm-hmm. You, because I believe this, you have what you need inside of yourself. And sometimes, like you said, you just need a person who's willing to sit there and listen to it and help you sort it out. Yeah. And it can be hard for family or friends who can get triggered or there's a history there and what you mm. say can trigger them. And then they're pulled into it personally. And then you have a new issue. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, the, the training of the, of the director or the spiritual companion or the Anakara is very helpful. I, I wish more people were aware of I cover it a bunch on my program, on my podcast, but I w- really wish it was more mainstreamed and that pastors all had a spiritual director and especially oh, anybody in, in helps or ministry. It seems like uh, as important as to me as getting your food each day. I agree. I have a spiritual director now and I have had one for the last 15 years. I don't intend to I'm not going to stop having one. Let's put it that way. Because I enjoy that as well. Knowing that there's someone who's listening to me and holding my story is very important to Mm -hmm. me. I'm going to read the chapters of your book. What is so great about this book is it's a formation book. uh, And that's my jam. That's what I love. Um, And I love sharing resources like this book and others in the formatio line from IVP that I have also found is a wonderful line of books for helping us transform and grow and heal. This book has eight questions that reveal God's work in you. And I just want to read these out because we're not going to be able to cover everything. There's just so much packed in here that's so helpful. The first one is called Invitation, Changing from the Center, Desire, What Do You Really Want?, Resistance, what is getting in your way, vulnerability, 
what are you hiding? Truth, what is most real to you? Pain, how are you suffering? Fear, what are you afraid of? Control, what are you clinging to? Joy, what does your soul love? Process, staying on the path of change. And these all really are packed with questions and ways to help us reflect on all these areas of our lives that can cause us trouble or that need attention. And it was really hard for me to say, what are we going to talk about today? Because it was like, how do I narrow this down? All these are so, so good. But I just thought, well, I'll just pick out one area. And I really, really recommend this book. It's just so helpful in so many ways. So thank you for to Alan and you for putting this together. I think this is a great resource. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. There's a blurb in the front that I'd like to read too that helps people understand what this book is about. And it's, it says, embarking on a journey of transformation involves remaining awake to a deeper level of reality that is always present. Remaining on this journey requires a simpler God focus. These eight questions about transformation can help us cultivate this kind of deeper awareness and soul focus. These paths help us keep on the journey of transformation. They keep us in the presence of the transforming one. And that is a a nice blurb that encapsulates what's going on in this book. Chapter five is truth, what is most real to you? And what we're talking about is truth or what is accurate and healing truth, a kind of alignment that brings restoration. One of the places in there, it talks about people who settle for relief rather than healing. I thought that was so potent. And maybe you could explain that. What does it mean to settle for relief instead of healing? And why would anyone do that? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, what, yeah, once you understand the difference, you're like, yeah, why would someone do that? <laughs> but it was interesting because that idea came to me. Actually, we were talking earlier about counseling and I did have a season in my life where I I went to therapy because I, in fact, did want to go back to my past and dig around and do what I could to become more whole. Mm-hmm. And so I found in that in that conversation with my counselor, he said, you know, not not everyone goes for healing. A lot of people only settle for relief. And I came to find out that that meant, mm. you know, you start on this journey toward wholeness, you think. And then something happens and you have an insight or one, one area gets touched and you have this sense or even just one layer of one area and you have this sense of relief, mm-hmm. right? There's a little bit of the lessening of the pain of it. Mm. And so you think you're done. Now you're not doing this consciously, mm-hmm. but unconsciously you might go, oh, I'm good now. This is good. But it's really only the first blush, the first layer of what could be done. Mm. Is it possible that you did hit your healing after just that short amount of time? Sure. But in many cases, that first layer is just the beginning of the invitation for the deeper dive. Mm. And so I guess the encouragement here would be to get a long haul version of transformation or long haul mm-hmm. vision of transformation. Um, yes, you might hit some pockets of relief. And yet there are other layers. And if you keep walking down the path, you can come to deeper healing than which would be more at the center of what your issue is. 
I've noticed this happens a lot too, where um, I've seen it all over and in my own life, you find some relief and you're so excited that you tell everybody, this is the thing, (laughs) this is the thing you need to do. Here's the thing I learned. And although it provides relief, it doesn't, it's really an invitation. You talk about invitation later. I want to pull that up. But there is a continual invitation to keep going deeper and you know, exfoliating the rest of it and getting to the core. There might be a core wound or might be uh, some other issue, but the, the first relief feels so good that we get very excited and decide, um, woohoo, we're done. <laughs> right. Yeah, and there's a, um, there's a quote by Dallas Willard that I like to share here. He says this, he says, all the church needs to fulfill Christ's purposes on earth. Okay, that's the first half of the sentence. Hmm. All the church needs to fulfill Christ's purpose on earth. So you're like, what is next? All I, What is it that I need to do, right? Hmm. He says, all that we need to fulfill Christ's purpose on earth is this, the quality of life he makes real in the life of his disciples. Hmm. The quality of life he makes real hmm. in the life of his disciples. And you could take that Mm-hmm. and unpack it in many different ways. But for this conversation, I'd like to say that one avenue of that quality of life is that we each seek our own healing, mm-hmm. our own wholeness in Christ. What does God have for us that we need to dig into so that we might be fully transformed, fully healed? What's interesting about what you say there is that we have to be in touch with reality as it is, not as we want it to be or how it should be or could be, but actually the realist reality that is possible for us to comprehend. Yeah. I think that's really, really important. And it takes a lot of courage. Hmm. It takes a lot of courage because we might say that we want to know what's going on, but Hmm. um, it can involve a lot of, um, well, pain. And so um, as we're going on this search for what's actually happening, Mm -hmm. not hiding, not deflecting, not defending, um, but really opening our eyes, what is happening in this situation? What's my part of what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And being unafraid to see it. We don't have to overwhelm ourselves at the beginning with the whole thing. Well, once I see it, then I have to do this. And how's that going to change? And you Mm -hmm. could go down a whole path of just anxiety. But I'm suggesting one easy step to take is just start seeing what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let yourself see it. I'd like to ask a question to follow that up is that a lot of times and I'm going to speak for myself here, but I know I'm not alone, is that a lot of times that initial peak at reality, the next feeling we might feel is terrible shame. Oh, yes. So that's one of those things. You get a little taste of that shame and you want to slam the door shut again. Exactly. I like to remind people, and and I'd love to hear how you deal with that with, with the people you're listening to, is talking about how the difference between guilt and shame is that it's fine to to understand that you make mistakes. It's fine to make them, but it's not fine to 
to pretend they're not there. And it's not fine to think that you are a shameful, disgusting individual or human. God has cleared us of any shame. Right. Yeah, I think you're right on that. I mean, I've heard these definitions before where it's one is about what you do and the other is about who you are. Mm. And we can easily take on that, well, if I did this, then I must be terrible. Mm-hmm. And even just that wording, the shift could be, well, what what I did was not good, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. If, if something really went wrong. Um, but I, as you said, am a beloved child of a lo- loving God, mm-hmm. and that never, ever changes. Mm-hmm. So this is, I mean, talking about guilt and shame, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> right. And another <laughs> I mean, book. we're, 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 it's <laughs> a whole nother level of conversation, <laughs> which we are barely touching here. But yes, it is important for us to be on that journey. There's always a twin journey going on here, I think. Whatever it is you're doing in your life, your journey to heal, mm-hmm. um, I think it's to be equally matched by a determination to grow in your acceptance of God's unconditional love for you. Mm-hmm. And um, because it is love, it is that unconditional love that brings about all the change. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the undergirding, it's the surrounding, it's the drawing forth, it's it's everything. And sometimes we think we're on our own with just our thoughts, trying to battle with our thoughts and make changes. Mm-hmm. But it's really that undercurrent of love. So it, there's two, well, there's at least two things going on at once. I'd actually like to transition to what you're saying about this undergirding um, to something you said in page 86. You talk about finding your own refreshed vision, and that probably plays into this mm-hmm. idea of this twin journey. And you had this period of anxiety filled life as you're trying to get your nonprofit going and running on your own steam, which is something so many of us wind up situations we wind up finding ourselves in. And you talk about how you got that refreshed vision back. And maybe you can talk about a little bit of how that process worked. I'm actually working on another book project right now where I'm going to unpack this story a little bit further and go into my own journey of anxiety and overwhelm Mm -hmm. and um, more deeply overcoming that. But Mm -hmm. when we were first starting Unhurried Living, I would have a cyclical pattern of um, just working in such a way that I would build myself up to a, a level of anxiety about once a year that was very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> to put it mildly. And and it's ironic, isn't it? I mean, we start an organization called Unhurried Living, <laughs> and and yet um, I'm a human being, yeah. and one of my ongoing life struggles has been anxiety, mm-hmm. fear. And so I found myself in one of those places. And so um, I hit uh, just a point where it becomes so debilitating that I'm like, okay, I can't keep just um, pulling up my bootstraps every day. I've got to make a shift. And so about every year I would, I was like, okay, Lord, I need another way to do this because I got Mm -hmm. myself backed into a corner again with my own anxiety. So Mm -hmm. on this particular day, um, an old vision that God had given to Alan and I way back 25 years ago about kind of our life in ministry. What would it look like? And um, it came back to my mind. Mm. I thought, oh, what a beautiful imagery. It had to do with trees and people eating the fruit of it and then them becoming a tree and then orchards were growing. And it was just about 
the organic nature of ministry, of mm-hmm. life on life, and then how that multiplies. Yeah. So that came to my mind, and I thought, um, it came to Alan and I in a time of prayer 25 years ago. We were sitting in our living room, and we just sat down to pray. And so I thought, well, what if I just go to Alan right now? Because we have home offices. We, we work at home. So I just went to his office, and I said, hey, would you mind praying with me again, kind of in that way we did back then? Mm-hmm. Um, and can we pick up on that? image that God gave us. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm hoping that there's more to it. Maybe God would add something to it. Now it's 25 years later. We are in our 50s. We've started this new nonprofit. Might God give us, like you said, a refreshed, renewed vision? Mm-hmm. So Alan, of course, was like, of course, let's pray. <laughs> so, so we did. We just went back to prayer and and there was sort of a renewed imagery that got added on to this whole idea of the trees. But this time it wasn't trees. It was a well. Mm. And, you know, just a well made out of stones and the kind where you dip, you know, a bucket down in and water comes up. And um, this well was uh, sitting on top of the one of the last images that from the other image, which was the United States covered with trees, all these people flourishing and growing and vibrant. And the well had water overflowing out of it onto the sides, down onto the ground, covering all the trees. And then I just had this sense that Jesus was there offering me a drink from that well Mm. and offering the invitation from the scriptures, you know, come to me, come follow me. And so I took and I drank, and then it morphed into that passage from Ephesians where it talks about we're seated at the right hand of the Father next to Christ. And so I'm envisioning myself in whatever way you can. That's impossible to envision, but you know what I'm saying. Mm. <laughs> Just trying to envision the reality of this, this gift that we've been granted. Mm. And um, the phrase that I heard was, lead from this place. Mm lead from this place. So now I'm piecing this together. I'm going, oh, there's this, you know, living water that Jesus is inviting me to continually partake in. Mm. And he's reminding me that we've already been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And what if you led from that place, Mm. which is in stark contrast to my anxiety and fear. Mm -hmm. And so that was my refreshed vision. Mm. Yeah, it, it was a place of abundance, not, yes. not scarcity, and a place that you already felt you know, safe and nourished. And that is God's loving gaze, really, and a place that, like you're saying, that undergirding is yes. there. Yes, I've been noticing all along the way here as I make my cyclical journey through <laughs> through, through these yearly bouts of anxiety, yeah. um, there is... It, God is showing himself to me as presence and love. Mm. I'm not ever getting chewed out. You know, we talked about mm. shame a minute ago. I'm never sensing God chewing me out because mm. I'm the one beating myself up, mm-hmm. <laughs> getting myself to a place mm-hmm. that isn't best, isn't healthy for me mm-hmm. until I wake up to it. And then what I'm greeted with is grace. Mm. Mm-hmm. And why don't you look at it this way instead? Mm. And um, I've been able to make my way forward layer by layer with that. Mm. 
yeah, that is a lesson I wind up learning teeny bit by teeny bit. And also it becomes more pronounced to me that that's always been a real struggle to be gracious to myself, but that plays right into being able to be gracious to other people consistently. I can be gracious to people from time to time, (laughs) (laughs) but if I really understand the kind of love God has, there is an overflow that extends to other people that is the same sort of grace. But it's, it is a slow process sometimes, and I, I will get wound up in my own things too. You know, and I, I take in anti-anxiety medicine, and I need it. I, would, I wouldn't be very functional if I didn't. But I also know that um, some of that's biology, some of that's trauma, some of that is bad habits too, of not understanding how I'm loved and not understanding God's efficiency. Yeah, yeah. There is this portion on page 88 and 89, and you have some great things in here about engaging transformation. And you say there's three parts. There's invitation, intention, and response. There's invitation, what is God's invitation to you? Intention, what is the yes you want to say? And response, how do you want to proceed? What I like about this is there's some movement to to it. It moves us from a place of just knowing something to the wisdom of being able to apply it and act it out. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what do we mean by God's invitation and if there's any kind of example you could give like that. Yeah, it's um, I like the word invitation a lot, actually, and it's a very spiritual direction kind of word. And, um, you know, our lives are full of tasks and to-do lists um, and reminders popping up all the time. And we can sometimes end up feeling kind of like a machine, like I'm just someone getting some stuff done. Mm. Um, But I love the word invitation because then there's, there's a relationality intact here. So if you're talking about soul work, um, it's not just getting the next thing done. Um, what is God inviting you to? And so if you um, look at any situation in your life, uh, let's say there's one you've woken, you've awoken to because now you're someone who's been noticing, mm-hmm. as we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, are you aware? Are you awake? Are you seeing? Are you uh, willing to look um, kind of at whatever is actually going on. Well, if you are, then one of the next questions you can ask yourself is, what is God inviting me to in this? Mm. And that just takes it to another level, mm-hmm. right? So in the case of that vision um, with the the anxiety and then this renewed sense of uh, the refreshing water coming from the well, you know, once I stop. Um, hitting myself you know, over the head with my own anxiety, then I can um, get a refreshed vision mm-hmm. of how God might want to move me along. Mm-hmm. So the invitation for me in that was to reach out my hand and to take that cup. Mm. That's an invitation. The other invitation was lead from this place. Well, that's an invitation, right? And now I have a chance to, 
to respond to that invitation. Mm-hmm. So if I've been, if I'm being invited, lead from this place. Now I have to stop. And go. What would that look like? All right. What does that mean? You can see maybe how there's an entirely different posture that you can start having inside when it comes to cooperating with your own growth. We don't have to attack it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. It sounds like an organic way, like a gardening way, not like a um, herbicidal. <laughs> Right. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it takes time. Yeah. And then the other parts of what is the yes you want to say? Yeah. So that's the word intention. Right. And I like that word too. I love these words um, that we've chosen here just because, again, I like to keep things relational Mm -hmm. and invitational. And of course, the word invitation is invitational. But the word intention Um, And the question with that is, what is the yes you want to say? So if I'm hearing an invitation, why don't you lead this way? Why don't you lead from this solid place Mm -hmm. of love? And why don't you lead from this overflowing well? Mm -hmm. Well, now I get to think to myself, well, what is the yes? Mm -hmm. And again, it comes down to that inside of myself then, am I willing to um, say yes? Yes, I am actually willing to say yes, because it sounds a lot more... (laughs) Um, actually easier than what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. So yes, Lord, I reach out my hand and yes, I take the water. This is my intention. And Mm -hmm. yes, I'm going to remember to lead from this place. Yeah. Right. So you've got the invitation, you've got the intention. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that leads directly to the response. And, and again, when you're writing books and when you're using words, you know, we make it sound like it's this linear line, you know, <laughs> invitation, intention, response. And, and I'm willing to admit that there's a maybe a circular relationship here, or yeah. maybe they're not even in this order, or mm-hmm. maybe they're all the same thing at the same time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But you can only talk and write linearly. So, right. <laughs> yeah. so but that you're led to response. How do you want to proceed? Right, right. Yeah, and sometimes proceeding is just stopping whatever it is you're doing to do nothing. Yeah. Because yeah. you were striving a lot, you know, we're striving and striving. And sometimes God's like, okay, right, that's good. You did a good job. All right, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And as I'm aging, what I'm noticing is that my body mm-hmm. won't let me get away with as much as it used to. Right. I can't bear up under the strain of the anxiety the way I used to, which is actually a gift. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, it's like the wisdom of the body. You're like, oh, if I if I could actually just listen to my body, I, there's more wisdom in it than than my anxiety and than my you know striving. If I could just listen to my body and obey what yes. it needs and care for it, then. I would be in more balance, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. I've, I've felt the same way. Like, oh man, I don't have time and energy to spend worrying about like what someone might've said to me or you know, mm. some, yeah. some peripheral thing that might've weighed me down or got me into some sort of cycle of thoughts that I just don't have an in me. I don't have the energy and I have to give it up. There's no other way. It's, it's funny how that works. The one thing I wanted to read a little bit is so people understand what they get at each, at the end of each chapter. On this, in this case, chapter five on page ninety-two, you have an exercise in each chapter, and I'd like to read it. And then there's some questions too. 
I think what this does, as I have in my book too, I have some exercises or some things of reflection is that you're not just reading the material and passing the time and getting some enjoyment out of some good reading, but that you can ask yourself questions and keep track, hopefully write down some notes or even better, this sort of book is a really good book to do with other people, one other person or a small group, and then you all benefit by the community of doing it. In this case, it says, try out the three whys yourself, begin with the statement, then turn that statement into a question for the first why, proceed from there by asking why two or more times, and refer back to the illustration above if you need more guidance. It's referring to the other material, but don't be afraid of what you will find. Seeing, acknowledging, and being honest about what it is, what is actually happening our doorways on the path of transformation. And then below it, it says, we can grow accustomed to desiring the deepest level of truth we can ascertain. You want more than relief. You want healing. This means that anything that you learn about yourself is good news. It means that you can begin afresh in a new direction along the path of truth. And then there's four questions under the heading, be transformed. So you can reflect on these in a journal or something like that. It says, bring to mind a situation in which you feel stuck. What would it look like to go on a search for the deeper truth? In what ways might you be settling for relief instead of healing? What are some steps you could take to go to the next level of healing? And the final one, how are you being transformed by what you know and proclaim? So those are all chances there to know more deeply about those hidden places that sometimes don't get the attention or the noticing that that they really need to to be better understood and that's part of what spiritual transformation is about really understanding those shadowy areas yeah is there anything that you'd like to say toward that or or anything else in the book that I might have missed that you'd like to draw attention to well, I just want to agree with what you said about getting a friend um, or a group. Um, this is, we we did this on purpose so that people could use this in small groups, and and our hope is that churches would use this book as a small group curriculum because you can read a chapter a week, and and there's probably at least maybe one exercise in each chapter. Maybe some of them don't have an exercise, but every chapter has questions at the end. Mm-hmm. And there's even a small group guide in the back that tells you how to make your way through it as a group. So um, in community is a great way to to um, engage your transformational journey. We don't have to go this alone because these are deep subjects. You're talking about resistance and yeah. pain and fear and control. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you sit in a small group, you just find out that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. People struggle with all the same things you do. Yeah, it's so common, and and that's part of the um, part of what is so healing in community is to know is that whole me too. Like, oh, I, I thought it was only me, and you can do this like over Zoom. It doesn't have to be in person. You could, right? You can do it from a distance with a relative or a friend that's far away, and you just get together and talk about um, a couple of your answers or a couple of things that stood out to you in the chapter. And I really hope that people um, who might not be going out as much during COVID or something like that, find the time to journey with others together and 
be introspective when we're kind of forced to be introspective you might as well get some good work done <laughs> because yeah. i know the, the temptation and i've had it too is to maybe binge on netflix but, <laughs> but we yeah. do have this chance we do have this invitation to look at some of the shadowy parts and the parts that are holding us back yeah yeah it's good it's a good time for that well i was kind of curious to know which chapter in the book was either the most exciting to write or the, had the most profound impact on you? Also, I'll say this. They all have impacted me in one way or another, again, because mm -hmm. they are kind of core. Yeah. You know, I had to, I had to wrestle with my own desire of what do I want? Mm -hmm. I had to look my own resistance in the eye and realize it's my doorway. Mm -hmm. um, one of the, one of the chapters that was the hardest for me actually initially was actually vulnerability mm. because um, when we were putting the book together, we basically outlined it, figured out, you know, what, what might go into each chapter. And then I had some seeds of ideas for every chapter and I threw all this stuff in there and then I would sort of tackle a chapter at a time. Um, when I got to the vulnerability chapter, the stuff that I had thrown in there and I was looking at it, I'm like, this doesn't really fit here. I don't think I can make this work. Mm -hmm. And it dawned on me right then that I'm actually going to have to write about vulnerability, <laughs> which means I'm going to have to be vulnerable. Right. Yeah. And so you can't just theoretically mm -hmm. talk about vulnerability. That's kind of <laughs> silly, isn't it? Right? I couldn't just I couldn't just theoretically talk about pain. Right. Or right. control or fear. So there's I've got some life stories in here, ways in which these um these dynamics showed up in my own life. Um, not that I came to any sort of perfection in any of them, but just to share my a piece of my journey of growth, hoping that others would be encouraged. Writing a book is such a, a journey and in vulnerability, but like, especially this type of book, you know, it'll take you through your paces. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like, it'll thrash you around a little bit. I'm thinking too when I'm writing my book. I, I know a few people will read it, but maybe the the whole thing was for me to write it. You know, yeah, yeah. Maybe that was the biggest point of it. And uh, God uses whatever God wants to to get us to the next spot. I think. Yeah, it can be even writing the chapter, <laughs> writing the difficult chapter. Yeah, don't you think that's true for authors though? That we're writing, yeah. we just write about the thing that that we need. Right. Yeah. The whole, the obstacle is the way is <laughs> yeah. like, even if we don't want the obstacle to be the way, it still ends up right there. Yes. You have to go through it and yeah. you can do it kicking and screaming <laughs> or you can do it, you know, piece by piece. But usually the thing that connects you to everybody else, like you were talking about, oh, we have unhurried living and then I'm having anxiety. It seems like a contradiction. <laughs> You're able to empathize with people. You know what yeah. you need, so you know what other yeah. people need in that position. And I think that yeah. always seems like our ministry is drawn from our wounds. Yes. So I guess that's what God is up to, <laughs> whether we like I it or not. I agree with that, totally. Well, wouldn't it be silly if we just sat around over here on our white fluffy cloud telling everybody that it's all okay and there's nothing to worry about? And all you <laughs> have to do is be unhurried. 
I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, life happens. I don't know. I don't know how you, you don't, I don't know how people don't get wound up sometimes. I, I don't, I don't understand, but I I think most of the time, I think what's, what's really come through in the the last year with the pandemic is that a lot of people are not okay. And this has kind of shown a lot of cracks and, and it's fine that they're not okay. Like that's not a, something to be ashamed about. It's like, it's perfectly understandable. It's perfectly understandable that right now with the stress and the trauma and the whole changes in life that we don't feel okay bunch of the time because things are difficult and that that's actually part of the human conundrum and we'll do better together but that we're just we're gonna carry on (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna do our best we're gonna carry on and not worry that we're not you know getting straight a's and making it look easy in just this living life thing yeah um but sometimes the expectations seem that we put on ourselves will be ridiculous. I, I don't think God is going, Oh yeah, boy, you better, you better shape up and you're, you're embarrassing me. And I, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> yeah. uh, totally. Yeah. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves. I think a big, a big piece of the layer of the anxiety is just my, mm. it's all my own stuff layered on to act the life that's already hard enough. And I add my own layer. Yeah. And I make it even harder. And um, but with COVID, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation of yeah the the layers of anxiety that we're under with the constant change and right and vigilance fear and out of control right. and shifting. It's a lot. Yeah, totally. People are like, "Well, how are you holding up?" I'm kind of thinking if if you're doing well now, I'm wondering if you're just disconnected from yourself and other people because, <laughs> like, I just know people who are struggling, and I care about them, so I'm also yeah. struggling, and that's in the yeah. best of circumstances. That's if I'm not personally struggling. So yeah, it's it's not easy. I think that's another reason why we need community and, and spiritual friendships too, like people who are yeah. kindred spirits to say, "Yeah, you know what? It just sucks." Yes. Yes. It sucks sometimes. Yeah, I am getting a little, I'm getting a little uh, rough around the edges because sometimes just you know I would actually like to go to a coffee shop and write once in a while, like the old days. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I haven't done that for I haven't done that for over a year now. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm hearing from all my my writer friends, and that used to yep. be their the way they felt better, and yeah. the, the way they felt better hasn't happened for a year. It's like, yeah, you're you're running ragged, so am I. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I guess we'll we'll pull this to a close, but I want to make sure that you can tell listeners where to find your podcast, where to find you and Alan, and whatever else. Yeah. Well, everywhere you can just search for unhurried living everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's the unhurried living podcast. It's unhurriedliving.com. We are Unhurried Living on Instagram and Facebook. And actually, um, if you really want, one of the great ways to lean in toward us um, right now is that we have this thing called an unhurried community. Mm. And it's only 10 bucks a month. It's like as much as you pay for what? Netflix, Hulu? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but what you get is what we've just been talking about. And right now, there, I have a module in there for women only. And we are going through What Does Your Soul Love? Oh, and we, we're reading one chapter a month and we get together on a live Zoom every month and we talk about it. 
That's great. And it's a beautiful group of women who are experiencing the same thing that you've just been mm-hmm. mentioning, Lisa, which is I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. alone. And so um, an unhurried community, you can find out about that at unhurriedliving.com. Like I said, everything is unhurried living. So that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you can provide that resource because we don't have to act like we can go it alone or that we don't need each other. And there's a lot of people who, you know, they haven't seen relatives in months and months and they need some connection. They need some some spiritual friendships that are meaningful and that are going to make a difference. So that this is a really great way to connect with other people thinking similar things, moving on that road to transformation and healing. So thank you for your yeah. work. Yes. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to be with you.